0: Undertaker, bring your American badass Kane, bring your 7 foot body Triple H, bring your 3 foot nose As re- God, as the Rock's witness The Rock says to all your candy asses Just bring it Oh my gosh, just bring it down!
1: Going on! Welcome It's a clutch time with Mike on the mic. It's your favorite Mike recording your favorite podcast. Welcome, welcome to episode nine of the podcast. Got a lot of things to talk about today. Going to talk about the levels of all-time greats. And we're also going to talk about how much of an idiot Charles Barkley is. Um, You know, I just heard some stuff this week. um, Him being on Get Up on ESPN with Mike Greenberg. And he has some things to say about NBA players, and I can completely understand why he gets into a lot of beef with the current NBA players, so we're going to talk about that. But let's go ahead and get started, and as I said, we're going to talk about how there are levels to being an all-time great player. And There's one player I want to specifically focus on. Of course, this was something that I listened to earlier on this week on The Herd, uh, which is Colin Coward's radio show. Um, but his basis of what his, he was saying was Steph Curry doesn't get the respect that he deserves. He feels like the media has whiffed on Steph Curry and how he's perceived as a player. So let me first say this. Steph Curry is the best shooter that has ever lived. Um, at this point, it's, it's not a debate. It's really, if you don't believe that, then you are fooling yourself. You guys, we can't even shoot that good on 2K playing on easy. So that's how good of a shooter Steph Curry is. Um, This is Steph's 10th season. He is a two-time NBA MVP with one of those being the first-ever unanimous MVP. And what that means is that he got all first-place votes from all the people who vote on the MVP. That has never been done before. A lot of people close. Jordan was close. He was one vote short. Shaq was close he was one vote short and LeBron James was close he was one vote short but Steph Curry that little guy from the Golden State Warriors who shoots a bunch of threes um, he was the first ever unanimous NBA MVP never been done before probably never gonna be done again Um, he's a three-time NBA champ six-time all-star two times NBA all-first team five total selections on an all-NBA team so Um, He's got a pretty decent resume to start off in 10 seasons, um, three championships in 10 seasons. That's pretty good. Um, But as it relates to what Colin Coward said and him saying that Steph doesn't get the respect he deserves and even his teammates feeling like he doesn't get the respect he deserves, um, in an interview, Andre Iguodala, who's been with the Warriors for some years now, um, he had a quote, and I'll read it to you. The quote basically being, um, I still think he doesn't really get the respect he deserves. I told KD, he said he missed me on the shot he took and said y'all two are like MJ. There's no such thing as a bad shot, but when you sit down and have serious conversations, he's the second best point guard ever. You argue that end quote. So that's what Andre Igu- Iguodala said. You know, being his teammate, of course he feels like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. Now. I can go kind of deep into why he doesn't get the respect he deserves from the media as well as probably some of his NBA contemporaries and from fans alike. So for a, from a fan's perspective, this is just me. I don't know about everybody else. But Steph Curry, like I said, is the greatest shooter we've ever seen. But outside of that, what is Steph Curry? He's nothing. Nothing. If Steph Curry's shot is not falling, then Steph Curry is not doing anything for you. He's probably turning the ball over. He's not a great 1 on 1 defender whatsoever. They had literally had to hide him on defense. And he's not going to, you know, his athleticism is fringe good at best, and that's that's probably being generous. He's not going to blow past you you know, with unbelievable speed. He's not about to, you know, Allen Iverson and, and run past you and go to the basket with no problem. Now, he does have great handles, but Steph's handles aren't like, let's say, a Kyrie Irving. Steph isn't going to break you out of your your ankles and then go to the rack and score. Steph's handles are more so to kind of give him just a little space to shoot And in that little space, you know, he can knock down threes from anywhere on the court and really from any range. That's what makes Steph so dangerous. But again, outside of that shot, if it's not falling, Steph isn't really doing anything for you. He's not setting up other people. He's he kind of just disengages from the game if his shot shot isn't falling. So if you're watching the games and you see Steph with an off game, just watch his body language. You'll notice that he kind of holds back. He doesn't, you know he's not very engaged if the shot isn't falling, which I can understand, but that's how, again, you can kind of pick apart his game to show that, yes, he's a great shooter. Yeah. He's probably going to go down as an all time. Great. But as I always said on this podcast in person, wherever there's levels to this all time, great stuff. There's levels to anything that we do. And for Steph, Steph retired today, we're going to remember Steph Curry is the guy who changed basketball, like literally changed the way that the game is played. And he's got the three titles, and he's got the two MVPs for the regular season, six-time All-Star. Like I said, if he retired today, that's 10 seasons. You know, that's, that's pretty good. He would go into the Hall of Fame, and people would just say he retired too early, something like a Barry Sanders. Um, but when you get down to... All-time greats, and you start nitpicking about their resumes. One thing for me in in the NBA, and I asked this question to two of my closest friends. I asked my dad, you know, I was just talking to people. Answer, ask yourself this and then think about it. We universally consider Michael Jordan to be the best player ever. Well, y'all do, I don't, but Michael Jordan, six for six. He got six championships, six finals MVPs. Would you look at Michael Jordan as the best player ever, the GOAT, if Michael Jordan had six rings, but he only had one finals MVP? Five other players won it the other you know times that they played. So he still got six championships, but he doesn't have six finals MVPs. Would you still look at Michael Jordan as the greatest ever? In my opinion, I say no because the finals mvps to me signify yes you won the championship but as i said before all great players and all all time greats have finals mvps to say hey you know i was the the person that carried that team i'm the reason why we won the championship i was the best player on the court so you know that that's what elevates you and when you're nitpicking all time greats that is one of the factors that i put in when i'm talking basketball when I'm talking the NFL, to me the Super Bowl MVP doesn't matter, and it's only because the Super Bowl is one game. Anybody can have a great game. You got two weeks to prepare. You know the player that wins it might be the mismatch, and you know that's why that's why you know he won the MVP. You know Tom Brady, we consider to be the best quarterback to ever play. He got six champion, six Super Bowls, but I believe he's only won four. Super Bowl MVPs, but nobody cares about the Super Bowl MVPs. It was that Tom Brady has six Super Bowl titles, which is unheard of in the NFL. So in the NFL it's a little different in the NBA, um I think it's what what separates the players from each other. Just like for example, we call Shaq, well I call Shaq the most dominant big man that I've ever seen. And Shaq played with Kobe for those those three championships in L.A. from 2000 to uh, 2002. Shaq got three Finals MVPs in them three years. I have never. This is including Wilt Chamberlain. This is including Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Akeem Olajuwon, Oscar Robertson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant. Whoever you want to name, I have never seen in a three-year span anybody be more dominant than Shaq was and he proved it on the court he won one regular season MVP and he won those three finals MVPs along with the three championships so we know that he was the the most dominant force on the court and he was the driving force at the time to win the win those championships Will we still look at Shaq the same if He didn't win the three finals MVPs. I don't think so, because then you're kind of diminishing that whole dominance part. That's kind of diminished because he wasn't the best player on the court. So that's how I look at it. So for Steph, Steph's legacy right now is they won the first championship in Golden State in 2015. And the knock was they never played a team that was fully healthy. When they went through the Western Conference playoffs. Every point guard on the team was hurt that they played. So they got to the finals. Then they had to play LeBron in the Cavs. What was wrong? Kyrie messed his knee up early on in the playoffs and can still still continue to play and end up getting hurt in the finals. He's gone. Kevin Love was gone like the first round of the playoffs. So you're really just playing LeBron – and whoever was on the team at the time. I think LeBron's second best player on that team was Matthew De La Vadova. I don't think Matthew Dellavedova would be a starter in UNC Pembroke's back gym. Um, shout out to the back gym players. Um, so they won that first championship. Then in 2016, that was when Steph won the unanimous MVP and they looked just sure to win another title. And it looked like that Steph was on his way. Then we get to the NBA Finals. Uh, They're up three games to one. Now, me, personally, you're the unanimous MVP. You're the the best player on that team. I think in any playoff series, in any – whatever the – if it's first round, second round, third round, the championship, whatever it is, I think every all-time great player that we talk about has been good enough that they could win one game by themselves, regardless of the circumstances. They could win one game by themselves. You're up 3 1, you're psychologically have the other team beat because no other team has come back from a 3 1 deficit in the NBA finals. Now, you know, of course, that controversy yes, Draymond got suspended for game five, but game five was in Oracle Arena in Oakland where the, the Warriors are at. Steph Curry. Don't even remember his stat line from that game. I don't I don't feel like it was that big of a thing. Same thing in game six when they were back in Cleveland. And I know in game seven, he, he wet the bed. He had a crucial turnover, a behind-the-back pass that went out of bounds. Steph Curry in the fourth quarter, I believe, was one for five from three-point range. And I think for the game, Steph was maybe four of 17 from the field. Some, some crazy stat line. It was terrible. Then the next two championships – He has invited Kevin Durant to be on his team. Now Kevin Durant's the best player on the team, and now Kevin Durant has been the finals MVP of the last two championships. So for Steph, like I said, with this nitpicking thing, Steph has three rings and no finals MVPs, and only one of those championships could he legitimately say he was the best player on the team, which was the first one, but he didn't even win the MVP in that series because for the first few games, he was thoroughly outplayed by Matthew Della Badova. You go back and watch that series, Steph might have scored points, but it was the, the manner in which Delhi was playing and the MVP of that that regular or that finals was Andre Iguodala because when they inserted him into the starting lineup, that whole series changed. It just made life more difficult on LeBron because he was having his way with Harrison Barnes, so that's why he won the finals MVP. A lot of people debate that. Some people felt like Steph should get it. I don't really have a problem with it because I felt like he was going to get it when they won the series to begin with, and my opinion hasn't changed. So for Steph, he's got these three rings, but To the NBA legends, you hear him say it, and I think to fans alike, we bash KD so much because he went to the Warriors, but when we're talking about Steph Curry, like I said, outside of him being a shooter, he doesn't do anything for me, and the fact that you were on your way to looking like you were going to be the face of the NBA and you were about to overtake and say that you were the best player in the world, you crumbled under that pressure in that game seven. And then instead of coming back the next year to reclaim the throne, you know, you invited another player who's, you know, world's better than you to your team. And now he gets all the accolades and truth be told, as Colin Cower said, Steph Curry is the third most talked about player on the Warriors. They talk about Kevin Durant. He's about to be a free agent that's dominating the headlines and his play. You talk about Draymond Green because, you know, Draymond always has something to say, whether it be good, whether it be bad. You know, you guys saw earlier in the season, the whole mix up that he had with Kevin Durant. And basically, you know, he called him the he called him the B word on the court and telling him, like, are you in or you out? So, of course, that was all kind of headlines. And I think that's kind of lingered throughout the season. And then we talk about Steph Curry. So I feel like Steph Curry at the end of the day, he's going to be an all time great, but he's going to be like a second tier all time. Great. Like when I say there's levels to this, just remember Isaiah Thomas, the original Isaiah Thomas that played for the bad boy Pistons. After LeBron won his third title, he was talking about the rooms that they have in the hall of fame of where certain players may be at. And I think in that all time elite room, you know, you're going to have like your Magic Johnsons, your Larry Birds, Wilt Chamberlain, uh, Bill Russell, LeBron Jordan, guys like that. I think Steph Curry will be in the room where he's with somebody like maybe, maybe like an Oscar Robinson, or maybe he's in the room with an Isaiah Thomas or somebody like that. Isaiah Thomas was great, but he ain't. All-time elite, you know, change the game kind of great. Steph Curry, you know, has kind of fallen into that 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 group because Steph has kind of did it to himself. You know, you're such a great shooter, but when your shot's not falling, you kind of disappear. And in some of the biggest moments of your career, you've 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 just been a no-show. And we've proven it, you know, in game seven at your house, your team was 73. And nine, like that was the best ever. And you were the first ever unanimous MVP and you kind of fell flat. You don't get very many opportunities to be the unanimous MVP. And when you won his first MVP, like, you know, Iggy feels like he doesn't get the respect he deserves. I think the players that play today feel the same way. Like they may have a mutual respect for Steph Curry because he's the NBA, you know, player and that brotherhood that they have. But as far as maybe a player on the court, That year that he won his first MVP when they did the NBA awards, every NBA player that had a vote voted for James Harden. So I think that kind of shows where the respect level is for Steph Curry from his contemporaries, from the media, and from NBA greats. You know, they fawn over guys like LeBron and Kevin Durant because, granted, none of them, neither one of them, are great at one thing. They're just great at a lot of things. And LeBron's been the face of the NBA forever. Before that, it was it was Shaq and Kobe. Kobe's love. He stayed in L.A. the whole time, and, play, and NBA greats, players, fans love his mentality of how he approached the game. Before them two, it was Jordan, and we all know what Jordan was to the NBA. He was the face of the league. Before that, it was Magic Johnson and Larry Bird, and we know that they're the reason that the NBA's still around from the 80s. Before that, it was probably – Probably Dr. J. We know what Dr. J was. He was he was a high flying scoring show before Michael Jordan. If you've ever seen highlights of Dr. J, you know that, that was whew, that was a show to watch. Um, and then there was Wilt Chamberlain, who Wilt Chamberlain, they had to change rules for Wilt Chamberlain. That's how dominant he was. So of course, you could argue he was the face of the league back then. So for Steph. I think Steph is like I said he's done it to himself. He's never expanded his game outside of shooting and he allowed another great player to come to his team and make it their team and now Steph's kind of just been pushed into the background. So, if I'm looking for a great shooter to complement somebody else, I'm, you know, I'm getting Steph. But do I want Steph to be the do I want Steph Curry to be the number 1 player on my team? I don't think so. I've I've outside of, you know, like I said they won that first championship in Golden State in 2015, but Steph was a driving force on the team, but at the end of the day, you know, he didn't win the Finals MVP, and I don't want to say that diminishes the championship for him, but then again, I would say that if like I said we're we're nitpicking on all-time greats. And then he whiffed in on the 73-9 and season. You were the first-ever unanimous MVP, and you fell flat on your face. And the worst part is we're all fans. Everybody remembers moments. Like, you remember when Dikembe Mutombo told Michael Jordan during the All-Star Game while they were stretching and stuff, you remember Dikembe telling Mike, like, you're never going to dunk on me. It's not going to happen. You ain't got me yet. It's not going to happen. Then later on that season, Jordan dunked on him and did the finger wave. We're all we all remember that kind of stuff. We remember Magic Johnson having to play center in the NBA Finals game because Kareem couldn't play and Magic Johnson hit the game with a shot with the sky hook. We remember, you know, certain moments, and you know, they're just you know in our minds of stuff that's happened. And one thing that I'm always gonna remember about Steph Curry is. During the you know it was game six, and Cleveland it came down and scored. The Q is rocking, quick and loans are in Cleveland. The Q is rocking. Steph comes down, he gets the ball, he makes a little move, and he goes to the basket. And I'm thinking, oh, he's beat to the basket. He beat LeBron to the basket. He's about to score. He pump fakes. LeBron blocks his shot, and LeBron immediately turns around, talks some trash to him, and Steph kind of just looked at him like. To me, in that singular moment, it looked like Steph was scared. That's just me. I don't know how anybody else feels about it, but that's how it looked to me. So, I don't know. Steph doesn't have the moments. Steph doesn't have the finals MVPs. And Steph's game, you know, hitting shots is cool. And hitting threes in people's face, yeah, that's demoralizing. But I'm sorry. If you you run in full court and you, you dunk on somebody – uh, there's nothing more more pleasing in basketball than seeing somebody getting dunked on, and everybody that's a basketball fan and watch the game. You know, you can hit a three in somebody's face. He might, like, oh, that was that was nasty. He hit it right right between his eyes. But y'all remember when DeAndre Jordan dunked on Brandon Knight? Y'all remember how about two minutes later on Wikipedia they said Brandon Knight was dead because DeAndre Jordan killed him? That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You can't, you can't, you can't get that kind of reaction hitting a three in somebody's face. Just not gonna happen. So, in my estimation, Steph, when it's all said and done, Steph is probably going to end up in that range of top. He'll probably be in maybe that fifteen to twenty-five range of all-time great players. I would literally have to sit down and do a list, but I think that's where he would end up, even with all those titles. Um, Again, that's just me. but I'm just thinking off the top of my head right now. I'm probably about 12 or 13 players in, and I'm still not thinking of putting Steph Curry anywhere on this list. Um, Oh, and one more thing. Iggy said Steph right now is the second best point guard ever. Stop it. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. Second best point guard ever. Uh that's that's pushing it for me. Um oh man point guards are a hard debate for me, but of course to me Magic Johnson is the best ever, without question. Magic Johnson is on on the, the mountaintop by himself. You're talking about best point guards ever. Isaiah Thomas, the big O, John Stockton, Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, Chris Paul. Uh I don't know if I can say Steph is a better point guard than any of those guys. I think the only thing that puts Steph over the top is Steph got rings. That's that's really it. I mean, Jason Kidd has a ring. Steve Nash got two MVPs. Before Russell Westbrook came along, um, the Big O has an MVP and a championship, and he was the only player to record a triple-double in a season. Isaiah Thomas was part of the Bad Boy Pistons, and he was going toe-to-toe with Magic Johnson throughout the 80s and early 90s. I don't know. I don't know. It's, that's kind of a tough one for me. I don't know. Even with his three championships, I feel like Steph just ain't done enough to be put as the second best point guard ever. But Steph, you know, he's a he's got good assist numbers, but uh, uh, that's a debate for another day. Um, that's just really my take on Steph Curry. Like I said, I, I think he's a second tier, all-time great, and I really feel like part of that he's done to himself. Maybe he can change that. Um, His career is not over with by far. I mean, he's been in the league 10 years, and um, he's 30 years old now, so, you know, it's not going to be going on forever. But when you're a shooter, you're a shooter. That never leaves you. We all seen uh, Jesus Shuttlesworth in the All-Star Celebrity game this year. So who knows? Steph might change my mind. I might have to revisit this topic one day. Um, But real quickly, we're going to take a quick break. Like I said, I want to talk about Charles Barkley stupid self um, we're gonna take a break listen to our sponsors real quick and we'll be right back with the second part of the podcast and then i got a few shout outs i need to give um about some great things that's been going on in the world of sports so we'll be right back i
0: think part of it is a direct product of social media yes Um, and and I think those players we're talking about, when I meet with them, what strikes me is that they are truly unhappy. They are truly unhappy. NBA players, truly unhappy. Charles Barkley, you're a Hall of Famer. What's your reaction? I think that's probably the stupidest thing I've ever heard Adam say. Uh, uh, And listen, uh, he's a great guy, but that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of any commissioner say. Listen, Greeny, these guys are making 20 $30, 40000000 million a year. They work six, seven months a year. We stay at the best hotels in the world. They ain't got no problems. Uh, that's total bogus. And let me tell you something else. Kyrie Irving, I don't know him that well. He seems like a, a good kid. But I've never seen a person so miserable to have so much success to have the world in the palm of his hand He's going to make forty, to fifty million million, $50 million a year for the next 10, 15 years. He's already won a world championship. He's in movies. But he's got to be one of the most miserable people I've ever seen. Uh, he wants to go to Boston because he wants to have his own team. And what a lot of these guys don't understand is when you're a star, and I've been a star, you get all the credit, but you get all the blame. That ain't right. That ain't fair. That's just how it is. That's the way this whole thing works. You know, no nobody runs to Jalen Brown uh, or, or Mar- Mar- the Morris brothers or Gordon Hayward. They going to come to Kyrie Irving after every game. That's the responsibility with being a great player, uh, being a star. like I say, we can all get on television and complain about, "Oh, I can't wait to get away from this." Like, no, you, dude, we're paying you forty million dollars a year. You ain't never gonna get away from this. <laughs> and if your team and, and, your, and if your team don't win, wait. Like, Listen, as a guy who was a star, Greedy, have I ever heard you say Seth Sabalos didn't win the championship? Mm-hmm. Have I ever no. heard you say uh, <laughs> Mark West didn't win the championship? What does everybody say? Charles Barkley didn't win the championship. I got to accept that. I got to live with that. But that's just how this thing works. Nobody said Mark West is one of the greatest guys I ever played with in my life. But I've yeah. never heard anybody get on TV to. Man,
1: that Mark West didn't win the championship. Okay, so we're back. Um, I just wanted y'all to hear the clip there of Charles Barkley. That was Charles Barkley talking to Mike Greenberg on a show called Get Up on ESPN. And at the first of the clip, the person you heard talking, that was Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, basically talking about how NBA players – Um, they kind of are unhappy because of all of the things that come into being a professional athlete today. Now, truth be told, I don't know if that was, you know, he started talking about Kyrie Irving. I don't know if that was something that Kyrie Irving brought up to the commissioner and the commissioner expanded on it or what the case may be. But my problem with what Charles Barkley said is... For You see it all the time in sports now, more so in the NBA than you do it in the NFL or baseball or anything like that. Now, part of this is the NBA's doing, but I mean, I think it just comes along with the territory in part. So if you're an athlete today, I feel like you have to be politically correct 24-7. And the reason I say that is because there's so many media outlets. There's social media, there's ESPN, there's Fox, there's any news outlet you can think of, all of them. One thing that you could say, you could say one thing, and if it's taken out of context, they will run with it. Perfect example. Now, anybody who's been watching basketball over the last few years, off the court, they know that LeBron And Kevin Durant are pretty good friends. You see them, they've worked out a lot together. You've seen them out partying, having dinner together, whatever the case may be. On the court, of course, the rivals. Understandable. Now, a few weeks ago, well not a few weeks, a few months ago, Kevin Durant was asked, I don't even remember what the question was, but his response was, um, you know, basically, LeBron, being around LeBron and his camp is toxic. That's what he said. He expounded. He expanded on it, and that's the only part of that interview that we heard. That was run on Center, and Bleacher Report and all of the social media. That was what was run. So naturally, of course, the media took it and ran with it in saying, oh, Le- uh, Kevin Durant basically called out LeBron saying he's a toxic person, this, that, and the third. That was the story for, I feel like, ever. Now... Whether that's what he meant, I don't know. I'm not in the man's head. But when you say stuff like that, naturally, it's going to be on Instagram. It's going to be on Twitter. It's going to be on Facebook. And for some players, like Kevin Durant, they read those comments. You know, they respond to them. Now, Kevin Durant had a whole Burner account talking junk. But, you know, there are players who read those those comments and stuff, and For Charles Barkley, Charles Barkley is right. Charles Barkley was a great player. He was a star back in the day. But with players from the 90s and the 80s and the 70s and the 60s forget, social media wasn't around back then. You weren't constantly monitored for what you say 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So that can be mentally taxing for anybody. I don't care who you are. Um, I don't care how mentally tough you are. If you are constantly criticized about anything that you say or anything that you do, then eventually that's going to start to wear on you. Case in point, this say this this past summer, LeBron opened that I Promise School. Then a few months later, Kevin Durant has a part of his foundation. Uh, he pledged like $10 million, I believe, to help kids from the DMV area, which is where he's from. To help them go to college. Now, when you see that, you hear that kind of stuff, you naturally like, oh man, that's fantastic. He's giving back to his community. He's trying to, you know, push the next generation forward and all of that. When you go under the comment section on these Instagram posts and Twitter and all of that, you'll see that people will say, Oh my God, you're just copying such and such, and you're still such a bad person, and you're you're a jackass and stuff like that. Who wants to read that all day, every day when you're actually out here doing something positive? So I get it from that standpoint for the players. Another thing that I see why so many current NBA players have they they get into it with older players from older generations, one of them of course being Charles Barkley. Because Charles Barkley says stuff and I re, I know I, I get it, he's unfiltered, you know, people are going to say what they want to say. But when you tell somebody that just because you're making $40 million a year because you play basketball, he basically, in my estimation, did what the lady from Fox told LeBron, like, shut up and dribble and shut up and play. You don't have real problems. And I'm just like, but they're still human beings. Outside of basketball, they do have lives. Some have kids. Some are married. Some have, you know, crazier situations that they're growing through. And you're basically telling them, you know, none of that stuff matters. You're getting paid $40 million. You sound like an idiot when you say stuff like that. Just like a few years ago, for example, it didn't come out into the media until years later. But during the Heat's first championship run in 2012 when it was uh, Wade, Bosch and LeBron, part of the reason why D-Wade seemed so disengaged from the game sometimes was because between the playoff grind watching film, practicing, traveling to cities to play the games, D-Wade was in court like every other day before these games because he was in an ongoing custody battle with his ex-wife over who was going to get their kids. So when you say stuff like just because you're making $40 million a year, you don't have other problems, you should just stop complaining, people like that need to shut the whole entire hell up, including Charles Barkley, and realize that just because they're athletes don't mean that they're not human beings. Everybody got stuff that they're going through. Some people publicize it more than others. So in the world that we live in today, you know, 24-hour constant criticism of anything you say, you do, anything like that is going to be analyzed and talked about. And then on top of the stuff you got going in the home, that can be mentally fatigued or mentally, you know, uh, mentally draining on any person. Now I'm not a professional athlete, and I've never been a professional athlete. All I played was high school sports and stuff like that. I could only imagine what it's like to be a professional athlete, where you can't go anywhere without people running up to you. If you, you know, you're in a crowd of people and you diss one kid with to, or you just walk away because you got things to do. If a parent's recording that video and they see you walking off from some little kid who wanted an autograph. People are going to crucify it crucify for you. You could have been on a meeting on the way to go meet the president of the United States, Barack Obama. We don't respect that other guy. You could have been going to talk to him. And just because you had to get there and be on time because there was one kid left that you didn't get to autograph or whatever the case may be, they're going to kill you in the media. All you was trying to do was get to your meeting on time with the president of the United States. That's all that I'm saying. So that's why, in my opinion, a lot of players get into it with Charles Barkley, and then they, 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 it's be so quick for them to snap on him because he just says some of the dumbest stuff and doesn't think about what he's saying. Now, I could be wrong, but I just know that if I got issues going on at home, I don't care how much money I'm making. That, that being mentally fatigued and mentally drained, in my opinion, is worse. Than being physically tired or anything like that. Because when you're mentally drained, you just don't have anything left in you. Like, you don't have anything left to give. So I can understand why NBA players are saying they're unhappy. I can understand why any professional athlete could say that they're unhappy. Yeah, it's all fun and games when you're out there on the field doing what you want to do. That's what your love and what your passion is for. That's where you go to get away from everything else. That I completely understand. You know, in high school, you ain't got nothing but schoolwork and stuff, but sometimes it could be overwhelming. You get to go out to the field and go take your frustrations out on your teammates during practice or during your opponents' in a game, and everything is good. But when that clock hit triple zeros, now reality is set back in. Oh my God, I got to go home to this toxic situation, not to put up with every day. That stuff can be draining. So, Charles Barkley, shut the hell up. Just. Stick to talking basketball, man, because you and your your opinions on how people should live their lives, man, that's like out of bounds, in my opinion. If somebody's going through something and they say that they're, you know, unhappy and it's it's mentally draining, leave that stuff alone. You don't play with people's mental health, in my opinion. So, Charles Barkley, shut the hell up. Other words, and other news, want to give a shout out to uh WWE superstar Roman Reigns. Uh, He came back two weeks ago to announce that he was in remission from his leukemia. He let us know back in, I believe it was in October, of him saying that, you know, he had been living with leukemia. Um, It was, you know, in remission the whole time. He was fine, but it's kind of flared back up and he was going to have to relinquish his championship and he was going to be gone from TV for a while. And, of course, we all know leukemia is, is, you know, something that a lot of people die from every day. So naturally, when he first started talking, everybody thought it was a work, you know, of him saying he can't be there in this, that, and the third. But then when he revealed why, then the reality set in like, oh, again, like I was just stating, this is a real person with real issues. Roman Reigns is the face of a global icon in WWE, but him being who he is, you would never know that he was, you know, battling or he had leukemia. He never let that knowledge be known. So, again, people have stuff going on. I don't care how much money you make. If they say that they got a lot going on and it could be mentally fatiguing, there's probably a reason. Anyways, you know, he left. He relinquished the title. And literally the only thing that any wrestling fan heard about Roman Reigns in the five to almost six months he was gone was he did a uh, he filmed a part of a movie with The Rock. That is all that we heard. That was on Instagram, and he looked fine and all of that. And then two weeks ago, he came out and announced that, you know, it was such a strong, a long journey to that, in the third, and he was in remission. So he was able to come back to the ring and do what he loved to do, which he's back doing. So shout-out to him. I definitely hope that everything works out for him and he keeps on being able to perform at the level that he wants to perform. I uh, also want to give a shout-out to my man LeBron James. He passed Michael Jordan on Wednesday night for fourth all-time, you know, scoring in NBA history. So big shouts to him. Um, uh, Oh, real quickly, I just want to shout out John Gruden and Mike Mayock from the Oakland Raiders. And why do I want to shout out the Oakland Raiders? Because the Oakland Raiders did the biggest finesse move ever late last night. Now, everybody knows, anybody that watches the NFL, the Oakland Raiders traded away Khalil Mack before the season to the Bears, got a first-round pick. They traded away their best offensive player, Amari Cooper, to the Cowboys, got a first-round pick, plus the first-round pick they had on their own. So now they have three. Late last night, they traded for Antonio Brown from the Pittsburgh Steelers, who anybody who knows, Antonio Brown is definitely one of the – Best, uh, he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. Period. End of story. He's now going to be an Oakland Raider, and the Raiders didn't give up none of those first round picks. Antonio Brown basically, like I said earlier, got traded for a bag of Skittles and two P.D. Pablo mixtapes. That's what he got traded for. So, the Oakland Raiders, in a you know, a little bit of time have one of the best receivers in the game. Derek Carr followed Le'Veon Bell on social media, so they may get Le'Veon Bell, who's a free agent. And they still have three first-round picks. So the Raiders can go from the laughingstock of the AFC West to potentially being the winner of the AFC West next year if they're all able to put it together. John Gruden ain't no slouch of a coach. He did win a Super Bowl. So he's no slouch of a coach, and I think he knows what he's doing. Now, last year wasn't any indication, but this year, he may be able to turn it around and and do better for the Oakland Raiders. Now, on the flip side of that, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you had a three-headed monster. You had Le'Veon Bell, you had Antonio Brown, and you had Big Ben. Now, you just got Big Ben. Now, no shade to Juju Smith-Schuster and James Conner, who's the running back. Juju Smith-Schuster is the wide receiver, but... I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to learn real quickly that being the number two option opposite of a of number one option is a lot easier to do when your number one option is getting double and triple teamed. Of course, you're going to be open. They're trying to stop him from going out. So now that you're the number one option and coaches have the game plan strictly for you, oh, it's a lot harder to beat a double team. When, you know, you're getting jammed at the line and there's there's a safety right there looking at you like, you come this way and they throw the ball, I'm going to tag you. It's a lot different. James Conner had a great first, you know, season running the ball. But, again, as I say with any football player, any basketball player, any athlete, your first year in the pros, you might be the truth. Now coaches have film on you and they got time to game plan for you. And when they have time to game plan for you, a lot of things that you might have found easy the season before aren't there. Case in point, look at Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell probably could have been an all-star last year. He won the dunk contest and everything. Donovan Mitchell looked like a surefire star. What have y'all heard about Donovan Mitchell this year? Probably nothing. That's, that's what I'm saying. Now you're the focal point of a team. Coaches look at you different. So I think the Steelers, you know, sorry to my pops sorry to my dog Tim. I don't I don't think it's gonna be you know the 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 offensive explosion you guys are used to. Y'all lost one of the best receivers in the game and one of the best running backs in the game. Granted, all of that drama that they brought with them, you know, was a contributing reason, but that's tough to come back from. So we'll see. So shout out to the Raiders for doing that finesse of a trade and, and getting what they needed without giving up any of their their most valuable assets. So we'll see. But um Yeah, I don't know what the Steelers front office is thinking, but I know Steelers fans is looking around like, bro, he got to go. He got to go. So we'll see. But um, that's it for this episode of Clutch Time with Mike on the Mic. Again, I appreciate everybody's support. I love y'all, man. I love y'all for real. Uh, But, again, we'll be back next Sunday as we are every Sunday here recording these good old podcasts and things to talk about. Of course – If anybody has something they want me to talk about or they just want my opinion on, feel free to let me know. I definitely uh, talk about it on the podcast, give you a shout out and all that good stuff. Um, But y'all have a great rest of the Sunday. And in the words of my boy Lamar Corman, don't be good, be great. Y'all have an awesome week. Holla at you.